Our Extension Officer, Kiralee Condon, recently wrote an RE Insight entitled Thermal Weed Control, Just Hot Air or Site-Specific Reality, which looked at work by a team from the University of Sydney. Guy Coleman and his colleagues reviewed 170 papers which demonstrated that mechanical weed control options like tillage can use significantly less energy than thermal options like heat to kill weeds. Herbicide energy use sits somewhere in the middle. So we're going to chat with Guy today to find out a bit more. Firstly, Guy, how are you going? Oh, things are going well. I've just finished a few trials of the laser weeding uh, experiment that sort of came out of this work and we're looking forward to some more data collection uh, and machine learning development that really help facilitate some of these alternatives. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, you've been very busy, so we're lucky that you're able to give us a little bit of your time today. Really appreciate it. So firstly, what prompted your team to do this review paper? Well, uh, it's clear that herbicides are uh, under threat at the moment. They've been challenged on, on a number of fronts, really. Uh, Obviously, we've seen the, the backlash against glyphosate uh, of late and and also, I guess, that public scrutiny uh, and pressure on existing modes of action alongside the, the clear impacts of herbicide resistance too. And and so all of these different pressures are really forcing us to, to look at new and alternative methods of weed control. So the idea behind this paper was to really be the first step into that alternative modes of action and, and how we could really uh, evaluate each separate one and, and how we could uh, help this sort of process into development and adoption of these new, new technologies. Mike Walsh, he kicked off this review at the end of 2016 and so that I picked it up early last year and we finished it off so just making sure we would covered all the areas and uh, had done it in a concise and, and proper way. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, very good that there's proactive research out there looking into these things. Like you said, there's lots of pressures around herbicide use and reasons to be looking at alternatives as well. So could you explain what exactly are those thermal weed control options for people who aren't familiar? So thermal weed control options, they're really anything that disrupt the plant's cells uh, and cause the cells themselves to burst. Uh, this then either results in sort of localised death of, say, the, the growing point uh, or and, and eventually the whole whole plant dies. The thermal can either be uh, heat, which you might sort of uh, think of initially uh, through flaming or microwaves we've seen at the University of Melbourne uh, or lasers that we're working on or even things like um, infrareds where they get sort of heaters, I guess, so black body heaters and a range of other different options that heat the plant to kill it. Uh, steam's another one that's popped up. Uh, then there's also cooling as well so you can actually freeze the plant uh, a few people have trialed out uh, using liquid nitrogen and then rolling it which is an interesting one yeah. but essentially the, the idea behind thermal weed control is that you can burst each of those plant cells and then cause uh, entire plant death okay great so why is it important to compare the energy of each weed control option oh yeah it's a really good question uh, so many of these options they are quite uh, or you might expect they're quite energy intensive because uh, heating water or that's inside each cell is, is quite an intensive uh, process. So uh, we we were looking at these control options and, and we we're thinking, uh, well, many of them aren't actually commercialised yet. There's, I mean, there's flaming options on the on the market, or uh, you can sort of buy these electrocution type things that do broadacre height differentials that are from the 70s, and there's just no real level playing field in terms of commercialisation for all these different alternatives because there are such a, a broader range uh, out there. And the, the next idea was, well, how can we actually compare these options? And, and that then led into energy. Uh, so energy can uh, be equated to price in some circumstances. So if we, we have uh, the same energy source, then we can actually try and uh, begin to work out if, if there are comparable costs uh, involved. Uh, so 
that's why we took the energy approach, mainly because that the lack of commercialization and the sort of really to level that playing field. And it meant we could then compare uh, each of these different options more more fairly and, and get a better better understanding of where the energy inputs lay and th- therefore where the, uh, the cost in the future might lie as well. Yeah, excellent. So what conclusions did you guys come up with then? It really uh, showed, firstly, the importance of site-specific weed management uh, and that opened doors uh, to all these new options like electrocution lasers or microwaves, uh, so many different things. But it was all relied on being able to use these controls on a site-specific basis. And what really was the enabler of that, that was uh, weed detection. So if we could identify where the weed was uh, and identify which point part of the weed to kill, then we could really open doors for site-specific uh, weed management using alternative options. And that really stemmed out of these figures that uh, you would have seen on, on the paper itself. Where we're seeing 95 to sort of 99% reduction in energy use. Uh, and because you can't sort of broadcast laser a, a field, it has to be quite uh, point-specific. Yeah. So the idea is that moving away from the, the broadcast treatment uh, opens up a whole new a range of opportunities, I guess. Uh, and so that's what we concluded at the end of the paper. It was really we need to focus on weed detection and that will give us uh, alternatives to use to kill weeds. Yeah, excellent. And can you just give people an idea of, because you guys are focusing on that weed detection side of things, can you give people a little bit of synopsis of where you're at with that research? Yeah, so there's, there's a few exciting things happening in the weed detection space and uh, they're all using uh, artificial intelligence, um, or for the most part, I guess, and that's where we you take photos of uh, of the same weeds or the same species of weed under different circumstances and growing conditions, and it means that you can then feed all these training images into a uh, machine learning algorithm. Uh, they use uh, deep learning, uh, and that then learns what a particular type of weed looks like. So we're looking at how well, it was early days for us, but we're, we're building up our data sets and looking at how weed biology and crop biology can impact that detection accuracy. So we want to know uh, how well it will perform under different uh, environmental conditions or uh, under different uh, plant similarities. So ryegrass and wheat or wild oats and wheat might be quite difficult, but then uh, wild radish uh, or turnip wheat up where I am in Narrabri might be more easy in wheat because of its uh, difference in in leaf shape and structure. Uh, So we're looking at all those ranges or crop biology impacts on on machine learning and and seeing how we can develop our own algorithms that uh, make the most of those differences where they are and uh, try and overcome some of those uh, difficulties as well. Definitely. It's a very exciting space and thank you so much for giving us an overview there of uh, what you found in that paper and and what's potentially next. It's very exciting. Yeah, it's a great space to be in. I really hope we can provide some more insights into alternative weed control and uh, give farmers options they can use in, in the near future. Awesome. Thanks, Guy. No worries at all, Jess. Thanks.